Just a ghost in this house. I'm just a shadow upon these walls. As quietly as a mouse, I haunt these halls. Hello there, world. It is episode 70 of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. Uh, we talk about <coughs> movies. My <laughs> we talk about movies with scratchy voices. That was good. That, that was you. a nice uh, professional cough clear, if you will. I appreciate it. I've been working on that. I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you been, Christine? I'm all right. How you been, I've Emily? Been okay. Let's overuse each other's names this whole Okay, Christine. Episode. You know, I have a question for you because this is yes, Emily. <laughs> yeah, Christine. Um, do you, when you talk to people, like, do you use their names? And is it, okay, what does it depend on? Do you ever call your husband by his name? Only when I'm aggravated. Like, when you're talking to him. Like, yeah, I guess. I I never do. Like, the only time I've ever said Brannon is when I'm talking about him. I I don't think I've ever looked at him and said Brannon. No, I don't do that. I, we have nicknames, and I call Zach, Zach to... That is a nickname people. for Zachary, right? Yeah. Ugh, I've never called him that. Yeah. Ew. That's like what you call your little kid. Zachary, you get over here this instant. You could call him Zacharias and just change it and make it sound fancy. Just fancier. completely make it different. Why not? All right. All right. But yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I don't... In movies, it can really bother me when a character is just constantly like, Steve Rogers, how dare you do that, Steve Rogers? Look, Tony it- Stark. Because it, people don't talk like that, and it drives yeah, me crazy. No one talks like that. But the the flip side of that is sometimes when you're watching a movie, especially if it's like a really low budget movie, and you're trying to like you're thinking, oh, I'm going to write a review of it, or I'm going to talk about it. Man, I really wish I knew the character's name so I can look up who's playing them in IMDb. Yeah. Uh, or in the case of one of the movies today, we're like, did they say her, what's her name? I actually didn't get that character's name. Oh, she doesn't have a name. <gasps> yeah. Deep yeah. man. So with that, Christine, what movies are we covering today? Um, we're covering okay, I don't have IMDb up, so I'm just doing this on memory. Nineteen forties, Rebecca mm-hmm. and nineteen forty fives, I know where I'm going. Yeah, I believe that's correct. I fucking just killed that. You did. And note that you said when you said nineteen forty, it would be like nineteen forty apostrophe S as yeah. opposed to we're doing movies from the nineteen forties when there's no apostrophe. 
But we are doing movies from the well, 1940s. Well, I know. We're doing movies from the 1940s, but we, if we were writing it, we wouldn't have an apostrophe there. This has come up a lot lately. Um, yeah, I, I, it irritates me. When I was doing the magazine, I had created a style guide that good for you directly addressed this because it's yeah. obnoxious. Yeah, it drives me crazy when I see 1940 apostrophe S if they're talking about the decade. No, that's talking about the year. No apostrophe. If you're talking about the 40s, apostrophe, 4-0, lowercase s, no end apostrophe. But that is your grammar or language punctuation lesson of the day, folks. Thank you for that. Learn it. Well, use we're it. really tangential today already. We are. We um, just started. I know. That one, because that one came up, like, in work today, and it was really dry. And, like, I had to argue it against somebody, and, like, I'm like, no, it's, 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 like, I'm right about this. Just trust me on it. I'm sh- They need to know that you're right. Obviously. Why is anybody even arguing with you? I, they should have learned by now that it never ends well. Doesn't. Uh, but you know, it's, yeah, we got tangents. Uh, but so yeah, two movies from the forties, black and white, old school, classy. Cause we, we be classy broads. If we're anything, it's classy. That's right. We've got our, our hair is done and coiffed and we have cute little hats pinned in, right? Yep. You can't see it. No, maybe we're even wearing capelets. You don't know. Yeah. Imagine that. Uh-huh. Imagine if you will. Yes. Uh, but before we uh, travel back in time, uh, yeah. oh, 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 something happening now as we speak. Uh, good podcast friend of the show, Married with Clickers. Uh, and I'm pretty sure most of people who listen to us probably listen to them. I hope so. If you don't, you really should. Or at least know who they are. Yes, because way back when we did a co-show with them when we covered yeah, Bad Girls. Yeah, Pretty Little Liars, right? Oh. What was it? No, Bad Girls and the Cowboy Way. Liars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we've talked entire, much, Pretty Little Liars. An entire season of Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, well, oh my God. Are you caught up yet? No, oh I'll never God. be caught up. Okay, okay. We'll save One that. One day it'll stream. Yeah, it, it should. They, they're pretty good about that. It seems like right after each season, they usually get it up there. So, Or by the time the next season starts, you'll yeah. have it. Uh, but anyway, uh, point being, the um, the Pretty Little Liars of the podcasting community, uh, Married with Clickers, do a thing oh, every May. Are we the Pretty Liars? Yes. Did we ever figure out which Pretty Liar? Oh, no. And I finally remembered who I was. I was um, Ezra, and that was really upsetting to me. Yeah, if, you, if anybody took the Pretty Little Liars online, like BuzzFeed test, like, which Pretty Little Liar are you? I was the um, gross uh, English teacher who showers all the time and has sex with minors, so. I don't know who I was. I, think, I still can't believe that was an actual storyline. Were you A? Maybe you were A. Maybe I will say that's about right. That sounds right. Uh, so, Married with Clickers, who do podcasts not just about Pretty Little Liars, they actually do more movies. Uh, and for the month of May, what they do every year, the last couple of years, they do um, a programming called Armageddon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Uh, and they cover a bunch of disaster movies, be it volcanoes or plane crashes or so on. And all of their downloads for the month of May, I believe they donate some form of money to the Red Cross per each download. Uh, so I guess it's their way of, you know, this way you can laugh at like a movie about a plane getting hijacked, but then feel good because you're, you're giving money. So it's a very, their, their karma is, is even, is what I'm saying. 
Um, but point being, in May, download Married with Clickers. You can, li- I mean, you don't have to listen to it right away. If you if you prefer to listen to podcasts about Pompeii in June, you can do that. But download them in May because you help them raise money for good causes. And it's the Red Cross, so it's like no matter what your political beliefs like. Red Cross just gives blood to people. It's a good organization. Um, so just married with clickers on iTunes and all those other places. Download, download this month, and they're going to be very good shows. I listened to the first one. It was in like airplane hijacking movie with uh, or produced by Aaron Spelling, and it sounded amazing. Yay! Yes. They're good people. Good people. Good people. Good podcasts. Go get it, folks. Uh, so now. Let's talk about us, Christine. Finally, my favorite subject. Blood. Uh, Tell me, what other movies have you been watching? I have been watching a fair amount, so I will go through this at a nice, steady clip. Um... I... I forget to mention this last last time we talked, but I watched The Fifth Wave. Oh! That was one of those movies that I felt like I saw that trailer every time I went to the movie theater. Yep, because you did. And then... I was like, did that movie ever come out? And the only way I knew it came out was because they had Chloe Moretz doing, like, a sort of promo for it during an episode of Pretty Little Liars. (gasps) That's how you knew. Yeah, that's how I knew. Um, I expected it to be just terrible. It wasn't terrible, but it was not good. Was it boring, or was it... I find... Okay, so in the hierarchy of movies of this caliber type, you know, whatevs, I think that Maze Runner is the is the height of yeah. these movies. Um, and then, you know, the second Maze Runner mo- movie, Scorch Trials, is also very good. So that whole franchise for me is where it's at. Hunger Games is beneath it. You know, everything else comes in between. The absolute worst is the Divergent series. I that I I will never watch that movie because it, I'm angry at it for at it for existing and for seeing the trailer so many times and thinking this looks so boring. It's I I don't know and I know people are fond of it. It, it. it is so boring and exhausting. I I fell asleep during the first one. The second <laughs> one we could barely get through. So this isn't while this does not reach the heights of a Maze Runner, it does not reach the depths of an Insurgent. Okay. So, I mean, it's a Divergent was that great series, too, that you could tell, like, they got, they were so invested in it, but nobody wanted to make or see the last movie. Yeah. But they were like, oh, guys, no, we really have to do it. And, like, you felt bad for them for having to even make it. You guys, people, they, they, they're expecting it. There's, like, five 12-year-old girls that really need to see the last installment. I don't know. I feel like Miles of um, Show Show fame really likes them, and I don't understand why. <laughs> I, I, also, I can see that. I also might be making that up. So. <laughs> no, I, I like to believe that. Even if Let's you're making it up, it's true course. now, because you said it yeah, on the it. air. It's recorded. Um, so, yeah, that's where I fall on Fifth Wave. Okay. Um, I watched a movie, you know, that I had heard really good things about Uh-oh. called Jerusalem with a Z. What is so this? It's, I don't know it. J-E-R-U-Z-A-L-E-M. Um, I thought it was going to be good and people had said good things. And it's like a demon slash zombie-ish movie. And like, in Jerusalem? I don't okay. know. Okay. It makes up on that. Jerusalem, <laughs> not Jerusalem. Um, and it was just really bad. Was I it re- like really low budge or was it just poor quality? Or was it both? It wasn't particularly low budget, and if it and I'm, I think it actually looked better than its budget. 
Okay. American so film? Did, um, like I think English maybe. language originally film? It is only English language. It's got a lot of um, foreign actors in it. Okay. Um, and a lot of the cast was, like, good. It was, for me, it was just, it was the story. And the script was, ugh, and I didn't understand. And at one point, there's a giant, like, there's a legit giant, and no one talks about it. <laughs> so there's, like, this onslaught of the demony things, and no one's like, hey, you guys Maybe see that giant? Call that giant over to help. To the point where, like, we were joking about it, like, hey, everybody. Um I like the idea you, that I'm gonna go to work tomorrow and it's like, oh we hired somebody new and it's like just a giant. It's like, oh and, no one and nobody's gonna actually like address it. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is the gimmick. The gimmick in it is that she has the main protagonist is first person and she has like the Google Glass glasses like that and they're constantly recording her eyeglasses. Oh yeah, that's worth making a movie about. And she can be like, Call dad and it like Skypes in her her dad or whatever. Okay, or call like, giants. Yeah. But don't call <laughs> that to his face. Navigate to to giant demon. But <laughs> so that's like the that's I that was like the the, the gimmick. I, I I guess you could call it. Um I don't know. If you if you get a chance to watch it, watch it. <laughs> we we red boxed it, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um I saw a movie in the theater. Of course you did. Um called Keanu. Oh, the kitten. Man, that was good. Was that kitten the cutest thing in the world? I haven't that, seen it. That kitten, I I smacked Zach a few times because that cat was so cute. Like, I couldn't contain myself. Um, and the movie was really good, too. Good, good. So you should watch it. Eventually. When that makes its way to Netflix, I will. Yeah, it was, woof, that cat, though. Real funny. Um, I, ugh, we red boxed Krampus. Did you end up seeing Krampus? I didn't. No, I heard, like, I, I heard for the most part love hate things about it. Some people loved it, some people were really disappointed in it. I did not like it at all. Okay. Uh, where do you fall on Trick or Treat? Favorite. Okay. Love it. I pushed that movie on people. Yeah, me too. And was this, like, did you just feel like it just was not, what didn't work about this one? Because that's what I'm curious about. I mean, horror comedies are a tricky, tricky, uh, you know, subgenre to do right. So what did this one do wrong for you? <laughs> to say that it was the tone, okay. I think might be overly simplistic. <clears throat> like it was never like dark comedy. It, I don't know. It wasn't funny. Well, that that's a big thing. <laughs> that... And it was, it was almost mean, but like not fun mean. Okay. okay. I don't know. And I like, I like trick or treat. So to say to claim that I didn't get it, I right. think would be would be incorrect. But um, I think the the ending was a cop out. I didn't like it. Okay. There was just so much of it I didn't like, and it had. This might be one of those expectation things where I went in with like yeah. Well, you look at that high. cast, and if you were a trick or treat fan, yeah, you'd be like, yeah, finally. Like I was pissed I didn't see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, I thought about going to see it in the theater. Yeah, I would still see anything. Anything that dude does, I'll still see. Like this yeah. is not put me out on him. I just maybe it wasn't for me. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, we red boxed the forest. You know about oh, this movie? The the one with Natalie Dormer from yeah, a la Game of Thrones. Yeah, and fuck this movie. <laughs> I had again. I had insane high hopes for this movie, and then James and Angela, friends of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
watched it and did not like it. And I was like, what? I thought they made... Literally, the trailer for this movie was like, Christine, here's a movie for you. Mm. That's how the trailer opened. It said, hey, here you go, Christine. It was. The production company that produced it was named Movie for Christine. And it was like, I was like, yes, this is everything I've ever wanted. You know, it's Lady in the Woods, Mm -hmm. like twin sister, duality shit, like... Are there ghosts dead? You know, I'm like, yeah, okay, amazing, give me this. Oh boy, it was not that at all. It was confusing and weird and not good and boring. And I read so many crap reviews for it. Yeah, I I didn't know anybody that liked it. Because the same thing, I thought it looked good as a trailer. I'm like, okay, that's different. That's a different concept. I like that actress. And then I didn't hear a single positive thing about it. And I thought, like, these... These they don't haters. understand. These haters like that, but like they don't get it. Like obviously this wasn't for them, and clearly it was for me. So I right. will show you all why you're wrong, and then it was not good. Oh, I'm sorry that <laughs> you were disappointed okay. in not proving other people wrong. <laughs> um, we we rewatched Age of Ultron. Okay, because we then went and saw Civil good War. Good preparation. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't like Age of Ultron. This rewatch has has hit that home for me. Okay. There's, like, two things in that movie that I like, and the rest is just a yawn. I, I liked Ultron. I thought it was, you know, leagues below Avengers and a few of the others. Yeah. Uh, there were things that, the things I liked about it were, you know, I liked Scarlet Witch. I liked... She's so good. Yeah. Like, it was, like, some of those decisions, I guess, and some of the kind of the bigger parts of the way it moved the store, the kind of Marvel Universe, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a flawed movie, to be sure. And it's just... I, I upon rewatch, I've realized there's aside from like pushing the story forward, I realize there's nothing there for me. Okay. So I'm just kind of like meh. But um, I liked uh, Civil War. I did too. I saw it. Uh, Nine fifteen a.m. on a Saturday. Yeah, it's now, my girl. Usually that's what we do. We go to like the first showing so that we can only we can see it with the old people. Girl, this theater was packed. Really? Yeah, I think it. And where did you? Where did you go? Uh, you the Thirty Fourth Street Lowe's. Yeah, it was showing in three theaters at that hour. Did you do three? Did you do three D? We did. Yeah, we did. Because basically, we were just going to go by like which time yeah. uh, and the earliest because we need, we needed to go to get to the earliest show. The earliest one was IMAX three D. So we're like, all right, we'll do it that way. Um, but it was showing at like nine thirty in regular three D and at nine forty five in two D. Mm-hmm. Our showing was packed. Uh, we we get in there like kind of right on right like as the trailers are starting and like luckily we got seats but it was like I think it might have been sold out at nine fifteen a.m. That's that's impressive. Yeah, ours was pretty full, but we did like an eight thirty on Thursday, so okay. I assumed it would be you yeah. know because it was Thursday. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I liked it too. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, I really liked it. I would say, to me, it was below... Uh, my favorite of all of them has been Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. This, well, that's easily... Yeah, because yeah, it's the best. Because you're the, smart. Without question, it is the best movie of all of them. That's why I, I think this might be my number two. Like, this, to me, is right is probably right there with the Avengers or slightly above. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I haven't tried to rate them. I don't know where I would put this one. I did like it. Um, there was a lot to me that felt fillery. I, I mean, for the uh, most part, I thought it moved. There was, I remember at one point, I'm like, you know, it, could, it probably didn't need this here, but for the most part, 
it worked for me. It didn't feel over over long, I guess, for me. Mm. I could talk about it for a very long time. It didn't necessarily feel over long. It's just that, like, when you when you step back and you go, "What did this movie actually do? What did it show me?" I feel like we all saw the tarmac scene. Like we're all on it's the same page awesome. with that. It was amazing. It made yeah. me almost cry. So we oh, all walked I, away. I, I cried, but it was at something very obvious in the like early early moments of the movie when they what? when they reveal the fate of a character and like you knew it was coming but the way it happens it's like oh I love that character so much what you have to type it to me in the chat oh well the okay well it's I mean I, I'm not going to spoil who it is but if you've seen the previews you see at one point Steve Rogers is carrying a coffin because it's somebody's funeral oh and I just sat there bawling my eyes out when they said that that's adorable yeah you're so cute the character is very important to me I don't know I'm very critical of these and and maybe I should stop but I've seen how good it can be I've seen Winter Soldier we've all seen it also Thor is probably my still my favorite okay but but like I don't think I'm going to say his name right. So, Inglorious Bastards dude, who played... <laughs> Just call um, him Inglorious Bastards dude. Well, yeah. But, like, Daniel Brule, I guess? I don't know how to yeah, say his so last name. Da- I believe it's pronounced Daniel Brule. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has an H in there, so what, do you not pronounce the H? Like an umlaut. Exactly. Yeah. But, so, they did it again. Like, where's where's my villain? Who... So I is- like... See, I like that, because it... Uh, I mean, the, this is really spoiler. But let's just say the it's not in any way about the villain. But it should. Why is he in it then? Because it's it's civil war. It's about the your heroes fighting each other, and the whole idea that like, look, I we can't beat. I can't beat you. But you know who can beat you? Your friend can beat you. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. And for me, a big part of it, too, is what I mean, again, I was never I don't come from a superhero background. I was never a big superhero fan. Well, you don't have to preface it with like, well, like no, that no, because I You're... think it's, it's one of my key issues that I've always had with big action movies and with superhero movies is the whole collateral damage thing and yeah. it not being addressed. And I didn't see Batman versus Superman. I know a lot of what happens in it. And I know it's kind of like overly addressed in that. But I did really like the way it's handled in here, where it's like, no, okay, we're, like, look, we just saw uh, this hero cause the death of ten people, of ten completely innocent people. We need to address that. We need to deal with it. Are we dealing it with the right way? I don't know. And then the whole, oh, yeah, you know that heroic thing you guys did in the last movie? Well, guess what? A lot of innocent people died when it happened. And... Some of some of their survivors might be a little pissed about it, and I like that. For me, that's that connects to me just with something I've always really wanted from these movies, and I feel like this one gave it to me. Yeah, I mean, there was the fallout from Avengers where they were like, "There was too much collateral damage, and we need to start addressing it." And then I feel like Age of Ultron over addressed it, and now I feel like this is you know another step in that and i'm fine with in age of ultron i think it was a bit tiring how much they addressed it and i like where they're at now with it and i think it was a good way to handle yeah. civil war there was just certain aspects of it that like i get okay so it wasn't about daniel Brule mm-hmm. or however you say it but like no. baron zemo i get that it wasn't about him but like he sh- 
then don't have it be about him. It could he didn't have to be in it. They could have done it without him. Yeah, that's could have. Because the way that I'm not going to, no one cares. Everyone either knows the way Civil War actually started or they don't give a shit. It's fine. But they could have just done it like that Mm -hmm. or piggybacked off of the destruction um, in of Sokovia and, yeah. in <laughs> Eastern European country. Oh, yeah. um, they could have just done that. But it was just, to me, there was just a lot of stuff that was whatever, but the tarmac scene was great. Mm-hmm. Also, when did Paul Rudd become so adorable as Ant-Man? Oh, he's always been adorable. Did I'm, I ever tell you about the time I almost, like, totally tried to flirt with Paul Rudd? What are you fucking talking okay, about? Okay, so in 2000 and, what, two, somewhere around there, I was in college, and my friends and I used to watch Wet Hot American Summer every week. Like, we mm-hmm. just used to watch it on loop, and this was like, it's, it was the VHS of it, and this is before it was really anything anybody else watched, and one night, my friends and I go to a bar in Lower Manhattan, and we're sitting there drinking, and my friend's like, oh my god, look, she's like, it's the guy, it's that, it's the, the guy from the movie, I look, I'm like, oh my god, it's Paul Rudd! And we realize like he's just he's there drinking with his friends, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna go talk to him because I'm gonna go say like, because people like knew him from Clueless. I'm like, no, but yeah. I'm gonna go be like, you ha- you know, I'm gonna go be like like you taste like burgers. I don't like you anymore. Like I'm gonna go quote what American Summer to him. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna finish my beer and I'm gonna do it. And I'm pretty sure I had like ten beers after that. And then I was like, but the next thing I do, I look at my glass. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna go talk to Paul Rudd. And I look across and there's nobody there anymore. Oh, so I was so I close. W- to I wish you awkwardly hitting on Paul Rudd when I was oh, twenty. What a- Story that one. Uh, right? You know? But anyway, uh, he's always been a cutie. I never had any type of reaction to him, but he was adorable and ridiculous and stupid in that movie, and it was cute, and I liked it. I still haven't seen uh, it, man. I own it. Oh, I, I got it for I Brandon think, for a birthday, but I still haven't watched it. I think you'd like it. I believe I would. Just have another chance. Yeah. Um, eh, whatever. I could talk about Civil War until people tell me to shut up, and believe me, <laughs> they have. Um, I I have two more. I'll be really quick. I watched a documentary on Netflix called Welcome to Leith, and it's about white supremacists coming to a little town and trying to take it over. Oh, that that sounds like it should be the start of a musical, but... It's so good. Ooh, really? It's really good, yeah. Is it, like, Sometimes... upsetting, though? Is it going to make me sad? No, I don't think it'll make you sad. Okay. It might make you a little angry, but it mm. won't make you sad. Okay. And then last night, we red-boxed the boy oh my god i'm excited i haven't seen it yet but was it amazing Emily, it's so good oh it really like it, i feel like the last few years a doll movie has come out like right around my birthday and like this year that came out i think a couple of weeks after and it was like uh why couldn't you come out so i could have like completely convinced myself that it made sense to go see you in the theater but it it was the end will either the end might lose you completely, but knowing you the way I do, I don't think it will. Interesting. Okay. I could see why some people might check out. But yeah. But, like, it's 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 really good. Like, it does so much right. Okay. I'm excited. You must I will. It. You know that I, it's, like, one of those things I'll check my three sources for all the time. I'll check Amazon, I'll check HBO Go, and I will check Netflix all the time for it. If, if it shows up on Netflix or Amazon... Um, I will watch it again. That's how much I liked it. We, we could cover it. Well, I wouldn't be opposed to that. All I think right. there's a lot to talk about. Okay, fun. There we go. At, at some point, we will cover the boy. Yeah. Cool. That's everything you've got. 
That's everything I have. All right. Uh, I don't have too much. Mostly because I watched, I finished season two of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. Oh, how, I was just saying that I, I really want to actually watch that. Yeah, I, I'm still shocked that you didn't. It? I love it. I love it so hard. Um, I mean, and what's funny, I mean, the first season I really enjoyed. The first season I just thought, I'm like, this. it's just really funny. And season two, first couple of episodes that were good. Uh, and then it kind of hits a point where it just, the show itself gets really good. Where it's still really funny. Um, there, I mean, there's a lot of like, there's one episode where uh, they do all this fake musical stuff, which mm-hmm. for me, I'm just like drooling at. It's so good. But they also like really did a lot for the characters this season. So, you know, your four main characters, all things happen for them. They move, they grow, blah, blah. Uh, it started dealing with the fact that Kimmy Schmidt was kidnapped by a crazy man and held in a bunker for 15 years. Like it, it hasn't made light of that, which is mm-hmm. kind of fascinating because it's a really lighthearted show. Like it's candy colored on purpose and it's not trying to, you know, teach lessons. Like it's, it's this very kind of bubbly, you know, irreverent show, except it's also like dealing with the fact that, Kimmy's really pissed at the world because of this thing that happened to her. Mm-hmm. And the way they do it is like by the end of the season, it's really, really interesting and smart and, and heavy, but still funny. So I really, really, really encourage you to go back to it. And anybody else uh, who hasn't watched it or has been like lagging on season two, like power through season two. Cause it, it really picks up Tina. And when Tina Fey shows up, uh, she's brilliant. Her character is brilliant, and what it does for Kimmy is great. And you just you just have to watch. Okay, I will. Okay, good. Um, so other movies I watched on Netflix Instant. I watched the one I love with Mark Duplass and Ooh. Elizabeth Moss. Have you seen this? No, I have not. Oh, you, you should watch think. it. You think I would? I would have thought you would. Yeah, because it definitely feels like your kind of movie. I yeah. liked it a lot. It's um. Uh, I mean, it is a you know it's a duplot. He didn't uh, direct it, but it's him producing it, and so it has that same kind of feel. Apparently, the dialogue's improvised, which I didn't did not know while watching oh, it. Neat, because um, they're both really good. It's and it's essentially all them. Ted Danson's in it in the very beginning, but it's really Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass the entire time. And I mean, those are two really good and really watchable actors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unusual. It's it's odd. It's very funny. It's it does not fall into any category easily. Like I actually watched it because I had kind of heard it described as a thriller. So I'm like, okay, now I'll watch it. Maybe I'll review it. And it's really not. Uh, it's it's just different. And I, it was like one of those ways it ends, and I'm like, I, I like, oh, I get it. Then I'm like, oh, but it could have also been that. So interesting. There's a, there's a lot going on in it, and I think you would really dig it. It's, yeah, it's cool. on Netflix. It's like 90 minutes. It's a it's a quick watch, but there's a lot to it, so I recommend it. Um, I also recommend on Netflix DVD, not on Instant, which is a very long way to Netflix, 1989, I think, Cyborg, starring mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, this is fun. Uh, this is set in a future where the world's been destroyed by a plague, and Jean-Claude Van Damme is trying to help get a android or a cyborg i guess 
to a city where she can help cure all the dying people. But meanwhile, there's a gang, and the gang is led by big great dude who was in a movie i love called gangland which now i learned is actually just a rip off of cyborg but that's okay um it's just i mean it's stupid as hell it's but it's great and ridiculous uh and apparently there's the sequel stars angelina jolie and i just cut that from netflix jeez we'll talk about that next time uh captain america civil war i mentioned on netflix instant i also watched something called hush Oh, you finally watched it. I did, I know, yeah. I didn't yeah. know what you were trying to tell me. I was trying I was to like, tell you. What did you hush, what did you watch, Harden? So I really enjoyed it. Damn right you yeah. did. Uh th- and this was one that like I wanted to watch with Brandon. I wanted to watch it like with the lights out in one sitting kind of thing. Um and it's it, it's not as as great as Oculus. Um, what is very few things are, but it's also <laughs> one of those things that like shows you more of the things that Mike Flanagan does really well as a director, yeah. um, which is he's Matt, he, his characters are very real, interesting people for the most part, they make believable decisions that you would make in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I agree with that. Yeah. He, he builds tension really well. It's, you know, it's just this movie made on a shoestring, I mean, like a very small budget, but like made just on this idea and this, okay, and we're, we're in this house and that's all we've got and let's just go yep. with it. And it's, But it never feels like that, you know? It never, it never feels f- like it's draw- that you're never thinking about the filmmaking of it. Yeah. You're never thinking like, well, they're never, they never leave this house because this yep. is the only place they have to film. It just feels like it takes place in the house. Right. Because I think, and it's just one of those movies, the whole time I'm thinking okay, well, I know I can go upstairs. No, I can't go upstairs. I can do this. I can do that. It, it, it's so, I think, easy about putting you in her shoes that I'm not thinking of, where is this movie going? I'm thinking, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, really enjoyed it. Hooray. Right. Uh, glad. The, let's see, on <laughs> Amazon Prime, I felt like watching, I just needed something today, you know? So I'm looking at, like, the horror movies on Amazon Prime, and I find one called Homecoming, starring Misha Barton, from, like, 2009 or so. Uh, This was a great stupid movie. It's essentially, like, swim fan. Okay. So, so, like, Misha Barton's, uh, it opens with this, like, montage of her, like, she's a cheerleader and her boyfriend's a football star. But then you find out, like, the boyfriend went away to college and he's coming back for homecoming, but they've broken up. But, like, she hasn't let it go. So he comes home and brings his girlfriend, his new girlfriend. And before long, she accidentally hits the girlfriend with her car and Uh then brings the girlfriend to her house where, like, of course, she's just trying to re-seduce her boyfriend the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's like Swim Fan. Um, what's great about it is, like, because it's so not good, and that's what's kind of great. Because it's not, like, so bad, and it's not so zany. Like, no, it's just, like, kind of not good. But some people are really trying. And, like, Nisha <laughs> Barton is, a, is really not a good actress. No. Like, no. she's very pretty. Um... But, like, and she's trying, but you could tell it's just, it's like when Blake Lively tries to act. It's yeah. like, oh, you're really pretty. You should just do magazine covers. You don't need to talk because you're not good at it. The, I put them in the same. Yeah. Place. It's that, like, really, like, I get why they get cast because you look at them and you're like, oh, yeah, no, like, you have a really, like, interesting look. But neither one gives anything. And, yeah. like, she's playing a psycho, but she's, like, tentatively playing a psycho. But you could tell she thinks she's really trying. 
at one point she sits down, opens up the refrigerator, and just takes out a giant ham. <laughs> like, I'm like, she's just gonna start eating that ham, but she makes a sandwich. But she's still like sitting there gleefully eating a sandwich, and you're just watching her thinking, you're gonna throw up all of that, aren't you? Ugh. Uh, so yeah, this was it was bad, but it was the kind of thing that like I don't know. I feel like on the right day you could really enjoy. Uh, and then I have two more. Another one, speaking of bad, was a, um, my husband loves me and knows me well. So on those days when like I'm just on my computer and he, he's about to walk out of the room, but he knows I need the TV on, he'll like flip around and find something for me. And often that means lifetime movies. (laughs) Uh, in this case, the movie in question, The Wrong Woman, starring Winnie Cooper, Danica Miller, whatever her name is, the math genius girl, Winnie Cooper. Um, So she's a woman. She's the wrong woman. Because she gets arrested for savagely beating a prostitute with a tire iron. Turns out the prostitute was having an affair with her husband. Um, But Winnie Cooper is still, like, being arrested for it. Uh, The detective is Urkel, Jaleel White. Uh, the, this is a real, this is a real movie. Yeah, yeah, real movie. And like, it's one of those Lifetime movies where clearly, like, they kind of know what they're making, but they're not, nobody's, everybody's still kind of trying, but not trying that hard. Yeah. So, like, Jaleel White's playing it pretty straight, except his character is an idiot. And I can't tell if he's, like, in on that joke. So, at one point, um, like, the case is almost closed. You think she's going to get off. But then they find new evidence. And so he's called to the stand to testify. It's like, well, how did you find this new evidence? It's like, oh, well, we did a second search of your vehicle. Well, why did you do that? We got an anonymous call from um, a civilian who suggested maybe we look because, you know, a lot of times uh, on like a lot of TV shows, they look under, they like have to look in a liner of the car. It's like, wait, like you just said that. Like, that's how you found your evidence. Um, The best part about this, too, is actually there's two best parts. One is that um, the uh, guy, the love interest in Mean Girls, who is in that really, really bad um, movie that I can't think of the na- name of, but um, James and and, uh, and Angela know it, the, the one with the crazy editing. There's just this guy that shows up who's like, I'll be your assistant defense attorney. So that's, and he is. Uh, Dina Meyer's in it. And as, as is always the case, she's the most solid thing in a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Um but the really the best part of it is playing her first lawyer because eventually she decides to defend herself is um, from Parks and Rec. It's Jerry or Gary. <gasps> Worth the watch. He and he he's having so much fun because he's playing it as like this kind of smarmy, earnest, maybe I don't know defense attorney, and he's just having a ball. And that in itself makes it worth a watch. So the wrong woman, go check it out. Uh, And then lastly, um, which is one of Brannon's favorite movies, was 1989, I think. Good Morning Vietnam. Hmm, I've never actually seen it. I had not either. I assumed I had, but I had never actually sat down and watched it. Uh, It's very good. It's what's interesting is at like when we sit down to watch it, at first I was kind of like, Ugh, like I don't think I'm going to be feeling this movie just because there is like a, a love interest introduced where I'm like, oh, this is not like it's just really awkward and uncomfortable and you, yeah. you I don't like it. Um, it you know it's opening on Robin Williams doing his Robin Williams thing, which 
nobody else can do and is amazing. But at first I'm like, am I in the mood for this? I don't know. Um, but this, it's really good. And it's, it's not what I thought it would be. The, I mean, the love interest that I was talking about is not at all what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really is a, an interesting way to make a movie about war because it is not a war movie. It is not a combat movie. It is about, it is set away from combat, but giving you a different angle into it, I guess. Uh, and it, I ended up really enjoying it. It's definitely worth a watch. Cool. Um, I don't know. Would I like it? Would I enjoy it? You might. I think you might. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Well, thank you. All right. (laughs) All right. Good list. Yeah. Good, good mixture. I think I like to keep it, keep, keep a nice potpourri, if you will. Uh, so on that, how about we take a break? Uh, do you want to come back talk Rebecca or talk? I know where I'm going. What are we doing? I always, I always do this to you. So I have a, <laughs> I have a lot to say about one and nothing to say about the other. Um, <laughs> how about we just do what we normally do after we have this conversation and go chronologically? Okay, let's do chronologically. Uh, we'll come back and talk about Rebecca. <laughs> chair is still a chair even when there's no one sitting there but a chair is not a house and a house is not a home when there's no one there to hold you tight and no one there Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Now, I had never seen it. You had never seen it? Oh, I ha- I've seen it, yeah. You have seen it. Okay. It's not one of my favorite Hitchcocks, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, it's up there. I, it, it's good. It's uh, it, it's very different from a lot of Hitchcock yeah. in a lot of way. Uh, this was, I believe, his first film made in the States. Am I right about that? It might be. I didn't do my uh, my research. I'm a little rusty in this department. Okay. Um, it might be. It's definitely tonally different. Um, it's an Oselznik too, right? It is, yeah. Okay, yeah, that, it's, you, you can tell it feels like it. Not in a bad way, um, but there's just something about it. These are not my favorites. Well, I mean, it feels, um, less auteur-esque and less, because it was. It was Hitchcock yeah. was answering to a giant studio head who was a year off of Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Uh, so, and adapting a, to my knowledge, fairly well-known popular yeah. novel. 
I think at the time, um, Demorier, I never know how to say her name. At the time, she was quite, quite well known. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I guess the equivalent would be like, I don't know, when David Fincher did The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Like, it's a successful book that a lot of the movie-going public has read, has certain expectations. Uh, You put it in the hands of somebody who does not normally play well within confines of a studio system. Mm -hmm. And then the the cast. Yes. Is Joan Fontaine and Laurence Olivier. Yeah. So you get Laurence... Pretty huge. Pretty huge. Well, I mean, Joan Fontaine was... Um, fairly fresh, right? Or had she done stuff that people just didn't... She she had done stuff, but I feel like... I know there was a lot of controversy because, well, Olivier wanted Vivian Lee cast, as did probably a lot of other people, just because... I, I mean, Vivian Lee cast. What's that? I said, I, said, I want Vivian Lee cast, but that's not... It's neither oh, here nor there. And see, that's you know, a separate thing. Is I, To me, I actually really like Joan Fontaine in this movie. I love her in this movie, but... Um, yeah, I mean, she had done she had done some movies. Nothing. Oh, I was I was crossing. So, Suspicion is forty one. I thought Suspicion came out before this one. I got them a little twisted in my brain, okay. my brain pan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, she'd done stuff, but I guess you're right. She'd yet to. Yeah, which again, I think works. I think the point of this character is that you know. It's a it's a character that you can't cast an actress that can't downplay her power, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I've only ever seen parts of Gone with the Wind. I don't think I've seen Vivian Lee in anything else, to my knowledge. Um, so I don't know what her range was. Could she, I mean, Vivian Lee was a striking, beautiful woman. She probably she, couldn't have pulled this off. I, I think in some ways she couldn't. I think she would be too interesting. She's she. I mean, she's smoking, and I love her, but like. I don't think she would have been able. This is you needed the, Jennifer the thing, Aniston, not an Angelina Jolie, in this part. Yeah, the thing about um, this ca- this character, for me at least, is she. And I feel like there's a lot we can draw a lot of parallels between the two movies, mm-hmm. um, and she not is, just that both have cocker spaniels in them. Oh yeah, they do. They have, yeah, there's dog. There's some dog action. Mm-hmm. She's she's innocent and. You kind of want to yell at the screen and say, what are you doing? But the difference between this movie and and the movie we'll be talking about later is that every time you want to yell, what are you doing? You understand why she's doing it. You don't don't want her to do it, but you're like, I get why you're doing that, but stop. (laughs) And I think that it's because of Joan Fontaine. She pulls that off. She so completely becomes this, this... this very young, very naive character. Mm. Or maybe and, she was very young and naive, and maybe that wasn't a character. Well, it's, what's interesting, too, is, in a way, as I'm watching it, and kind, and then, like, reading a little bit about it, I'm like, you know, Joan Fontaine's a little too pretty for the part. I think the part would have... Could... I think that this... If I was, like, dream... If I had read the novel, which I haven't read the novel, but I feel like I would have wanted a really plain almost dowdy woman in that part uh-huh. because the idea being well of, of course you're going to say yes to the proposal and you have nothing else and i mean granted they establish that with the character anyway because she is of very little means and has no family so yeah it makes perfect sense that she's going to marry him but yeah. i like the idea more of her kind of thinking well 
because what else do I have? And it almost would have worked better if she was less attractive. That being said, I think Joan Fontaine does a really good job of physically um, overcoming her beauty mm-hmm. to where she – I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She's – and, like, you you know, you can't take it away from her. But she does things with her body where you she feels small and she feels awkward. And, you know, I, I can buy what she's going for even though I think, again – it's it's not quite the casting choice I'd want, but I think she really makes it work. Mm-hmm. Now, two things I would say. One, this movie is 60, 76 years old, and it's another one of those movies that you kind of have to talk about stuff in order to talk about it. So yeah. I'm going to say free reign on spoiling. We're going to talk about this movie in detail. If you haven't seen it and don't want to know anything about it, then fast forward a long time until you hear yeah. music, and then we'll talk about the next movie. Uh, but let's let's say free reign on, we can say whatever we want about it. I don't think knowing the end or the quote-unquote twist of this movie affects it that much. I knew the twist, and do you want to know how I knew the twist? How did you know the twist? Super Nintendo Jeopardy. Oh my god, uh-huh. are you kidding me? I am not. When I was a kid, we had Super Nintendo Jeopardy. What was the question? Uh, the answer? question, the answer was Rebecca. <laughs> the question, I'm sorry, no, actually the question was Rebecca. The answer was this Hitchcock film, the heroine of this Hitchcock film is never seen. Um, but that basically like reveals that is not is not the heroine you think she is. Um and then I, I must have heard something else to kind of back up, like, oh, Rebecca's actually a cunt. <laughs> so I knew that Thanks, going Paul. in. I didn't... So, and even if you watch it again and you know that, it still doesn't really affect the way it watches. Yeah, it's... Because the, re- the reveal, you kind of... I don't know. And again, like, because I knew it, I could hear it in everybody... The way everybody talked to Rebecca, I'm like, yeah... But do they really feel that way about her? Um, and, you know, the intricacies of exactly what she's done and, and everything are have certainly surprises to them. And I guess the novel, in the novel, uh, Lawrence Olivier, he's not in the novel. What's his character's name? Maxim? Max? Maximus? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's just Maxim. Maxim. Uh, he, I think he did kill her in the novel. However, movie, it's 1940, which means you know what's in, in full swing in Hollywood. Mm, we'll yep. think called the Hayes Code, yep. where if Olivier did kill her, well, then we have to punish Lawrence Olivier. Uh, however, yes. th- there's something about... So when you're watching it, you find out that, like, no... And we didn't recount it, because, you know, you guys know well, the movie. I mean, it's, it's a lady, and she goes to this, this estate that, like... A, a dude, dude's wife died at, and like there's shadows of her everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's what the movie's about. Exactly. Uh, Get us together, guys. <laughs> so, Maxim in the movie, you find out, did not kill her. Um, but there's a part that you're like, well, what if he did? What if he just? Yeah, I mean, he didn't. He says he didn't, but but like you don't I have totally to believe, believe that he did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's not very convincing. <laughs> and I wonder, too, if even... Because I'm sure Hitchcock wanted him to have done it. Oh. And, I mean, eventually, Hitchcock is kind of the guy responsible for the end of the Hayes Code. Because when he made Psycho, he's like, fuck you. I'm doing what I want here. And 
I wonder if the direction he gave to Laurence Olivier was like, you're lying. And I think he could have been. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I, I do. I do think, and it's it's interesting that you bring it up because I always kind of thought it was my perception. But you walk away from it going like, "No, nah, I kind of think he did." Yeah, <laughs> even though you're explicitly told otherwise, right? Like everybody's like, "Nope, she had cancer. She was going to die anyway. She she purposely did this." They're like, you kind of go like, "No, healer." Yeah, I mean, we know that now, but he didn't know this then. That's so funny that you think that that you brought that up. Yeah. I, I I thought it was just my my read on it. I really thought it was just my read on it. No, That's and so- I think. I mean, it's also because that character, Maxim, he's a dick. He is. He's, but he's so funny. Like he has, I don't, I didn't, I didn't write him down. Oh, you stupid girl. Marry me. He has some lines that you almost like guffaw at because it's so incomprehensible that he would say it as abruptly and gruffly as he does. And he, and he does. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. And just their, their courtship, like. It's it's that's where it feels very Hitchcock because yeah. it's just it's funny and it has this you know it's in the guise of here is this beautiful big budget Hollywood film where you know you have Laurence Olivier and this beautiful young actress courting except then listen to the dialogue and listening to what's actually being said and it's so not what anybody else would do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sitting there calling her a stupid little girl and then saying, well, okay, fine, marry me. And, like, their relationship is is so odd. Yeah. The, the power uh, dynamic is ridiculous. Uh, you understand it because, A, it's 1940. Yeah. And they've established she has nothing else. So the one person she meets in her life who she connects to, who also happens to be this really wealthy, dashing man... When he says, come come to my mansion, of course she's going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Even if he's like a mansplaining dick to her. He is, he is not awesome to her. No. And she gets there and then her like, oh, and here's your housekeeper who hates you. Oh, my gosh. She was in love with your uh, predecessor. So great. So I find that this movie, for me, lacks some of the, the visual flair that I, I really enjoy um, in, in, yes. in the Hitchcock. Um, I can which see is- that. Which is fine. It, I mean, it's like I said, it's not my favorite, but there's still a lot going on that's super positive. Oh, yeah. But every time the camera does do something interesting or exciting, it's it's always in the scenes with um, Mrs. Danvers. Yep. For me, at least. Or maybe that's no, just No, I think I you're right. It. I think that's very specific to it's, this kind so, of, you know, the movie has a certain look, but when when Danvers comes in... It changes because she, she is this other kind of force, it, and and it's and it's so it's cool because you you can't look away during those scenes, and I think it's it's it seems very purposeful. And like, did you notice that like half the time she wasn't blinking? I didn't notice it. Uh, I I did read after that that was one of like, and there's a couple of directorial things that are very Hitchcock where she doesn't blink. I think in some points they when they had her walk, I think they like had her on a dolly that they yeah. rolled to kind of give her a gliding effect. Like it's just it's this kind of something is wrong, but you can't you don't realize exactly the logistics of why it's wrong. It's just you don't feel right when she's on screen. 
it's so great. Yeah. It's so foreboding. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's why people say that this movie is creepy. And if you don't, like, if you go in expecting something else, you could be super disappointed. Yep. Um, because it's not like a haunted house movie. It's not super gothic. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it, but it has these like almost intentional off-putting aspects to it. And it's great. Like, I love her. She's so awful and, yeah. and just unhinged. She's such and, a bitch. It's so great, um, and I think they play um, her. She and John Joan Fontaine play really well off each other. Mm-hmm. It's a good dynamic. They're they're very different to look at, and that's interesting. Yes. Oh yeah, very dark, very light, very small, and very tall. It's just really great, and in like. Miss Stanvers doesn't appear to be an, an imposing woman in, in stature, but she like is like yeah. It, the stuff in Rebecca's room is some of my favorite, like oh, the most yeah. memorable stuff for me. Like I don't know, I I have I have a real fondness for this movie. It gets a little long towards the end. I think there's a lot of talking and explaining, a lot of the trial stuff, yeah, and the reveal of exactly what happened i feel like there is at least two steps you didn't need yeah um when especially also when they bring in the boyfriend right the cousin quote unquote yes 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 yes, yes. uh and i mean he's fun because he's again he's like again he something that's, that's kind of cool about this movie is all of your main characters are so bring a very different energy every time they're on screen mm-hmm. and he comes in and it's just a completely different man in this movie all of a sudden where Maxim is, is not, I mean, he's serious, but he, he has this kind of light side that comes out, but then you get this playboy that comes in and it just, it does feel like this whole different energy has come into the movie, but it feels like he's there for a long time towards the end of the movie. Yeah. He, he overstays his welcome a little bit bit, because that character is funny and like strange and but then there's a bit too too much. Yeah, it just gets a little explainy, which you know. Yeah. One... Then the reveal, like it just, you know, they're what they're way out in the city now. Now they have to get back to uh, Mandalay, and so it's just one of those like, oh, we're not there yet. We still have to get back to like yeah. it feels like there's the ending just goes on too long. Yeah, and I mean that's something people say. Mm. about not just movies of this era but of of Hitchcock movies yes. uh, which is which is fine and sometimes I don't notice it or really like it so that I don't care mm-hmm. but this time it's just kind of like eh, we already did all the cool stuff yeah let's yeah. wrap this up because we did the cool stuff guys yeah and it's also one because it um I think another kind of criticism I have I guess is it starts as the second Mrs. Winter's movie, right? She doesn't have a name, so Joan Fontaine's movie. And by the time you get to that last act, where it's all about what happened to Rebecca and what was maximum involvement in it, I feel like we we lose a little bit of Joan Fontaine. Yeah. And I was really interested in, and, and again, part of this is it's the Hayes Code, maybe they couldn't do it. I wanted Joan Fontaine to say, you know, okay, here's what you're going to say. You didn't kill her. You did this. You did that. Like, I kind of felt like that was there, but they don't get into it where she's just like, no, I'm supporting him. But you're like, eh, but how do you really feel about it? I feel like it's really her story. And we lose that a little bit with the plot of, oh, but completely. here's what happened to Rebecca. 
she disappears. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm interested to know, okay, lady, what do you think? Your husband might have killed this woman. Yeah, like, do we, is it cool because she was like a bitch? Right. Is that where we're at? Like, that's fine. But yeah, she did. That's a good point. And maybe that is why I start to check out a little bit because she just, just disappears. And yeah, because like, there's this potential apart. for this Lady Macbeth uh, yeah. transition. And it just, it's it's not there. I don't know if it's in the novel. Um, I own it, but I've never read it. Oh, yeah. read it and give us a report. No, I should time. read it. Give me a book report. I want it nope. bound. Uh, it has to be at least um, six to eight pages with a bibliography. Okay, well, I make no promises. Oh, well. Can I put it in one of those cool clear plastic Oh, yeah, yeah, things? that's All absolutely, right. without question. Double spaced for my, so it's easier for me to read. Big font, because I'm getting old, Christine. Done. I'm getting old. 17 million point font. 17 million in Helvetica. I don't know what a big font would be, We're guys. Comic so I just... <laughs> Winged it. <laughs> Garamol. Uh... <laughs> Oh man, that's one of. <laughs> side note: I don't know if you ever do this. Um, my husband and I really like trying to like. We like terrible names of new babies. Uh, like and like you know, like you get you ride the subway and there is a woman with her child and like you know clearly like they live on the Upper West Side and she's like, oh Hudson, quiet. You have to eat your gluten free pancakes now. And I always like to think of like other awful baby names. I never thought of it. We need to just go for font types. Helvetica, stop that. I'm I'm sure somebody named somebody had named to have named their child Garamond. Some kid is named Helvetica. Like I bet, yeah. Sometimes I forget we're recording a podcast. <laughs> that literally just happened. I was like, Emily and I have been talking about Helvetica for a while. <laughs> What's your favorite font? I like Times New Roman. I'm a classy Ooh. gal. No, I'm. I like Helvetica. I like Arial. Um, what's the other one that? What's like the default one now on Word? Is Kip- Kiberia? No, that, that's uh, the. Um, I think I know what you mean. It's what is it now? Okay, I have it open. I can find it. Oh no, I can't because it's Welcome not. To, it's a di- must be a different. Talk well, no, this is interesting. Um, I have a Mac, so I have Pages, which is like the Mac version of Word. Uh, for some reason, I'm making quotation marks with my fingers. You can't see them, but I am. Um, and I guess they don't have access to all the same fonts because. When at work, I have Word, and the default font is starts with a C, and it's kind of like Arial, but it's not quite. Yeah, I think, I think it's like Cam, Cam, Cambria, Cambucha. Cambria, Kombucha, something like that. Call anyway, Cambria. apparently Pages doesn't have that, so can't name a child that, or can you? You can. You totally can. Just give your kid a name. Don't let, let the kid like Joan Fontaine not have one. Although I love that she doesn't have a name in this movie. It Cal Calibri. Calibri. Cal- I don't know how you actually say it, but that's the one I'm thinking of. I'm so- <laughs> I opened word for you. Thank you. Oh, you're a sweetie. You know, I do what I can. Uh the uh so no name. Yes. I love Is that, that how we're calling her? We're calling her no name. Mrs. No Name. Mrs. No Name Winter. I love that that character doesn't have a name. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. It's one of the, those things that I didn't notice until I started reading about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time I watched it, I didn't notice. See, I'm watching it, and I'm, like, halfway through. I'm, like, a half hour into it. And I go to look at the cast list just to confirm. I'm like, oh, who's playing the main character? Whoa, I don't, I don't know her name. What's her name? Uh, Mrs. Winter. Second Mrs. Winter. Oh. 
I love that. Apparently, at one point, the during the screen the screenwriting uh, phase, at one point they they did name her and they named her Daphne after the author. But mm-hmm. then Hitchcock's like, nope, no name. Love it. Which I, I love, love it. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Of course, she doesn't have a name because she's nothing, and that's the whole thing. Is all she is is the second Mrs. Winter. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like it. I mean, like I said, I have complaints mm-hmm. about that that ending part. It's the ending section, yeah. maybe. It's just it's the, la- even... the last act to me falls short of what the first acts bring. Yeah, so, but oof, still, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other moment that I really like that I found very funny is when, you know, Joan Fontaine is first, like, sitting at the desk and trying to be in the second Mrs. Winter, and the phone rings, and she's like, oh, Mrs. Winter? Oh, no, she she died last year. <gasps> I know, there's like, so oh, many, no. like, really weird, it's, funny parts. It's really funny. Yeah. And, like, I totally get it. Like, I would say that, too, probably. No, yeah. <laughs> um, and no, she's are, not here. Oh, wait, yeah, that's oh, me. Wait a minute. And there are some really funny lines. Um, the early on, I can't remember who actually says it, but when uh, they're saying, like, oh, most would give their eyes to see this piece of art. And then I think it's uh, Laurence Olivier says... Um, uh, oh well, that would rather defeat the purpose. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's quick and quippy, and it's, it's very n- quippy, especially in the beginning. Yeah, it's just very funny. Oh, with that awful, um, the awful woman she's working for. I can't, I can't. Get oh God, missing something. She's great. Yeah. I love that lady. She um, she was funny and terrible, and their interactions were funny and terrible. And I I love how um she says that uh. Like, oh, most most men don't like when a woman's so forward. Because all she says is, like, hi, or something to Maxim. And, like, it's like, oh, you slut. <laughs> Very funny. And then there's my favorite thing that um, Maxim's, my favorite line of his, which is, promise me never to be 36 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, the age thing is really interesting yeah. in this. It's and what's funny because age comes up too with the next movie where a character is twenty five, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those like man, times, times, man, the change. So if if my husband ever said, "Promise me to never be thirty six years old," you would look at your watch that and say, "All right, it would not end well." Let's Clock's put it that way. Ticking, buddy. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, oh, another great thing too that th- I mean, there's there's definitely a theme or an exploration of class in here. Yeah. And my favorite is when like, or before the trial, when there's that first like early investigation and the cops are like, Oh no, no, it's, it's fine. Like it's just, we'll, we'll play golf next week. Like you can be accused of murdering your wife, but well, you know, it's, yeah, you're a civilized man. Which yeah. is, that's no reason to not to cancel our polo plans. It's, it's an interesting look at, yeah, at the way that that that's treated and and yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of strangeness. Just to speak to class even more with um with uh, Maxim's sister. Yes, definitely. And, and her husband. That all, that stuff is really almost uncomfortable. Yep. And and it's it's great though. Like it's supposed like they everyone knows what they're doing. They're making you uncomfortable. Yeah. And even now, like. Decades later, where where we should it shouldn't still be the same issues, 
class is still such an issue. Oh, yeah. And, and still, especially when you're dealing with old money. Yeah. It's still uncomfortable. Like, ooh, he shouldn't say that to her. Mm-hmm. Ooh, why are they treating her like that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's still relevant, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's most of what I had. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't have much else. I mean, we covered most of the stuff that stands out to me about this. I'm glad we covered class a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it, it's not my favorite, but it's, it's real, real good. And yeah, every it's... time I watch it, I go, I need to read that book. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say it again too. You do need to read that book. Yeah, it's I, I enjoyed it. Um, one of those movies I probably would have always had on my list, but never would have watched mm-hmm. otherwise. Uh, just because when it comes to you know Hitchcock, I have lists of other movies that I feel like I should watch first. Um, and but it's it's very good. It's very it's entertaining because um, it is. It's very funny. Uh, I think you could definitely see its influence on a lot of other movies. The, mm-hmm. the Danvers character is definitely, you know, present in every everything else, I guess, where you have a stern housekeeper. Yeah. Whether she was the first one, I don't know. But, you know, you watch, like, The Omen, and I almost wonder, like, I wonder if that was in any way kind of influenced by her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, so it's it's good. And it's it's an interesting look at a... Very unique director with a very strong voice, working within the confines of the Hays Code, mm-hmm. and within the confines of still make this a crowd pleasing studio film. Yeah, but within that, he still puts his stamp on it, and you know, for that, it's definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. All right, you about ready to rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. Quality of film. Um. Like, I'm trying to think of where I would put, like, other Hitchcock movies and try to drop them somewhere there. It's tough in that that regard. Yeah. I still think I would give it a seven, even though it it would go higher if that ending didn't... Yeah, but the ending is... Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go higher even. I'm going to go 7.75. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Quality of life, all that stuff. Eight. Yeah, for me, I'm going to say it's 7.75. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but again, had issues. That doesn't happen very often. I enjoyed it and feel like it was kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll just say yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to take a break. Uh, We're going to go pin our little hats on, uh, pack our bags, and hop on a boat to the islands, play some Scottish music, and all that stuff, for I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going, and I know who's going with me. I know who I love, but the dear knows who I'll marry. Stockings of silk, shoes of fine green leather, combs to buckle my hair, and a ring for every finger. Some say he's black, but I say he's bunny, the fairest of them all. 
Yeah. I have two questions for you. Okay. Do you know where you're going? Eh, most of the time. And do you know who you're going there with? Eh, usually. Yeah, good. Okay. I'm glad we got that sorted. Yeah, all right. So we're done talking about this, right? Oh, did somebody not like this movie? Somebody hated this movie. Really? Somebody's probably going to say some inflammatory things. My! So that somebody is Christine. The other somebody really liked this movie. Oh, my. Uh, and that somebody who's way cooler is named Emily. Uh, she is way cooler. Well, I mean, it depends on what we're talking about. I'm, I'm, anyway. No, she is. I don't know. You have, you have a better haircut and taller. Oh, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this movie was recommended to us. Um, a Dave was the first one to recommend it, but other people joined in. Uh, there was support for this movie. I was excited to watch it because I have seen, so now, directors, Michael Powell, Emmerich Pressburger, collectively known as the Archers, mm-hmm. uh, who also, that team is also the team behind the Red Shoes, which, as we know, I love. Christine. Oh, well, I think we see a trend. Doesn't love. Uh, and I had seen one other of their film, and I can't remember what it was, the name of it, but it's the one with the heaven thing, heaven stuff. People who know the movie know what I'm talking about. Yeah, heaven stuff. And then I've seen Michael Powell without, I think Emmerich Pressburger had passed on by now, by then, but Michael Powell is the man behind Peeping Tom, which I think is yeah. a masterpiece. I like that one, yeah. okay. Uh, so this movie, 1945... I believe was basically made for them as a sort of um, like placeholder film, if you will, mm-hmm. where they had just done a fairly big production. I don't know if it was Black Narcissus or what, but they had done a big, full Technicolor production and were going to do another big one. That might have been The Life, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. I'm not sure if I have my dates right. Um, but... Thing scheduling got mixed up and people were available, not available. This is 45, so it's right after the war. Money was probably tighter, so they decided to kind of fill time to make a smaller, more intimate, black and white uh, film that they could make much cheaper. And that was, I know where I'm going! Exclamation point. Now, I like any movie that has an exclamation point in the title, but Mm -hmm. that's also me. So, Christine... Yeah. Why don't you tell the people at home what this movie is about? Um, okay. It's about, it's about a lady. Mm-hmm. And she, okay, I know what this is lady about. Lady named Joan. Okay, I know, I do know. Okay, so this is about a lady. <clears throat> and she, okay, so she's traveling to this island. Right? Because she's engaged to some dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me about she, the dude that she's engaged to. He's real rich. He's, he's real like rich. some kind of, like, oil tycoon. I might have made that up. No, he's like, I a, well, I mean, basically he owns a, like, chemical pharmaceutical company. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So mm-hmm. he's, like, so he's, like, he's flush with cash. Like, he's, he's got it. He's got it. And she's, like, super excited about it. So she's like, hey, I'm going to go over to this island that he says he owns, I guess, but we come to find out that it's not really the mm-hmm. He's renting. Case. He's renting it from, like, some dude, and she gets stuck. She can't get over to the island. 
because there's like too much wind mm-hmm. and um so because she can't get over there she ends up falling in love with the other guy that's around <laughs> essentially yeah when you boil I mean, it down I, I watched it see it's clear by my synopsis i mean that is essentially it it is a young woman who is going to marry her fiance who is a wealthy we never see him spoiler alert we never see much him. like we- rebecca uh, we see weren't these good together? Oh no, this was a really good pairing because you had that element. You had you also had young woman marrying you know above her social station and things that come with that. Lots of water, yeah, lots of water in both movies. <laughs> um, you have and you do you have cocker spaniels in both in different contexts mm-hmm. and in different uses. Um, what's interesting too is if you think about it, you get a pre-war and post-war film and now i am not in any way going to stand here and give any real knowledge of a film of this era is like my biggest blind spot when it comes to cinema Mm -hmm. is the 40s in general just for whatever reason i know i've seen probably less movies from the 40s than any other decade after you know since movie cinema are you the same way um i've watched a lot of hitchcock so okay I mean, the 40s, probably, I have as much visibility in the 40s as I do the 50s, which mm-hmm. is to say, not that much. Okay. Um, but so you have, whereas Rebecca is, you know, war is not an aspect to it. It's not really on yeah. the mind yet. So it can kind of be, in a way, this more, like, lux feel mm-hmm. with, I know where I'm going, it's 45, so it's post-war. And in talking about class, it's such a huge part of this movie. Joan comes from sort of, I guess, like a business class. Her father's a banker, uh, but she for, and it's not really clear why, but basically she has just always wanted to be rich. Mm -hmm. So she has, you know, figured out exactly how how she can do that, which is to marry rich. And when she thinks about her husband, again, we never see him. We don't even see her, him in her fantasies. In her fantasies, she's marrying the bank. She is, or the company. She is marrying this entity of money that is going to make her a lady. And this is going to be her life. And that is Mm -hmm. the life she has always wanted. Because she has always known where she's going, Christine. I guess so. Uh, And then she gets to this island where most of the people are not rich. Uh, not even to her social class. They are more agrarian, and there's, you know, townspeople, and her uh, companion is military, but kind of of lineage, but not of money, right? Mm-hmm. His family owns this island, but he doesn't really have money. I think it's kind of what they suggest. Yeah, I think, I think that's what is implied or, yeah. you know, stated. Uh and, you know, she has no intention of falling in love with him, and she tries really fucking hard not to. Like, to the point where she puts people's lives at risk to not fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I enjoyed this. Why yeah. did you not enjoy this? Let's give some reasons. I thought it was boring. Okay. Um, I didn't care about anybody or anything. mm um, I mean, she is not a likable character. And I don't say that. We always, like, I know, hesitate I know. to say the word likable. But I do mean it in that exact term. She is not likable. She is not a nice woman. She is 
a snob. She is rude to people. She is very selfish and puts other people's safety and health and everything else at risk to get what she wants. Um, but I, I, I'm not annoyed by her because I feel like the movie knows that she... The movie, it's not... Like, what's a good example of a romantic comedy where the characters are abs- are actually awful, but the movie doesn't treat them that way? You know Most what I mean? Most of them? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you mean. Like, this movie knows that she's not Yeah, awesome. and everybody else around her is pretty great in different ways. Like, yeah, uh, you know, her the love interest is just dashing and, you know, immediately you're like, this is a good man. Uh, whereas with her, it's like, you, you girl, you need to fall in some mud and learn a lesson. Mm -hmm. But I don't, because I guess for me, it's the movie's not expecting me to be on her side. The movie knows that I'm going to have problems with her. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't feel like the movie was ever forcing me to align with her Mm -hmm. or feel sympathetic for her. I don't feel like the movie ever wanted that. I guess my main issue might be that it's just a little too, um, earnest. Really? Yeah, and I don't. Really and you're a heartless like cunt who doesn't. Uh, I, I, second time, I, it's well, you know. two C bombs in one night. I just felt, you know what it is like. I play, um, play like words with friends and this other like boggle game. <laughs> I don't know where the story's and, going. And well, here's the thing: <laughs> is that twat is an acceptable word, but cunt isn't. Uh-huh. It's all very confusing. So that's why you need. So I'm to using call. it where I can. I guess is what it comes down to. Um, no, I'm a I, woman. I'm allowed to. I know. We have that right, everyone. <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't, I just, like, it, it was earnest. And there's something about movies from a certain time where I go, like, <laughs> I don't, that's going to be like this. Like, I want some some sarcasm. I want some some darkness to it even if it's all going to end up okay i want an acknowledgement that this isn't like your world this isn't the world you can't live in this world your world that you're presenting me isn't real with all these these earnest emotions um (laughs) it's a really funny statement i don't know so the real world doesn't have earnestness man I don't know how else to phrase it other than I'm I'm you know uncl- unclassy. I'm losing my words. It's getting late. I'm I'm a classless broad that doesn't like slow moving, earnest black and white movies. But that's not true because I do. It's just it was so boring. Oh, it was boring and long, and everything was so like she was so stupid and obnoxious and i didn't understand her motivation for anything hmm. other than being a jerk <laughs> well i mean ah, see to me her motivation was her motivation was i am going to marry this man because that's that's what i have written down in my diary when i was 8 and that's how mm-hmm. i'm going to make it happen i i like the movie that you're presenting i don't feel like i <laughs> That. And that's the whole thing. Is it what is it the, the John Lennon quote? Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. That it's that's not the way it works. And 
you know, it's everything is mapped out and she knows exactly what she has to do to get this end result. Mm. And then, uh oh, I can't get to the island today and I have to spend more time with this man. And, and I like that they never, like, it's not until, spoiler alert, the last scene that they actually really connect, right? It's, it's they, this whole time, there's this unspoken attraction between them. Yeah. And they're not even flirting, really, because it's just they're there together. And he's talking and she's listening. And, like, they, it, it's not cutesy, I think. And it's just the very end, it's, no, they're madly in love with each other. And I bought it and I saw it happening and I felt like this was a, this is a kind of early feel-good rom-com in the way that I want them to be, not in the way that they usually are. Yeah. Um, the, and part of it too, there's this big kind of theme of, really like Scottish fairy tales and kind of the wonders of Scotland Mm -hmm. uh, where there's a certain like fairy tale element to the movie where there's just, there's a lot of like oral tradition. There's a lot of people telling stories and starting these stories about, um, you know, the, the man who had to, was stuck in the whirlpool and how he got out of it. And like this, the fairy tale will begin. And then an hour later you get the ending to it. And the same when they're talking about these, like, big Scottish um, high garden festivals. And it's just, it's a lot of, like, it's the reverse of what they always tell you. It is, uh, tell, it's it's not show, don't tell, it's tell, don't show. Mm-hmm. Um, which normally is, like, not what you want to do in a movie, but it really worked for me here. Because it's, I don't know, people with cute Scottish accents telling these cute Scottish stories about dancing and games and drinking and and meanwhile the camera's moving in this really I think lyrical way that sucked me in I got sucked in I I know you did I'm glad that you did as am I I will tell you the one part of this movie I liked okay I liked when they were on the bus um, going, I think it was when they were going to make that, like, to the transmission, the call to the island. Right. Yes. And, um, the people on the bus start talking about that lame ass that, that rents the island yep, and that had gonna spent, marry. spent all this money making a pool. That was funny. Because <laughs> well, the, there is that, like, really enjoyable to me element of this sort of, like, here are real people, right? Here are these guys who are going hunting and here are these people that are just having a party and drinking and everything. Mm-hmm. And the whole, like, why would you swim in a pool? You're, you're on a lake, like you're on an Island. And so this kind of ridiculous nature of what she wants and what she thinks she wants in life. And I, I don't say what she thinks she wants, what she wants at that moment and what she's wanted her whole, whole, whole life. And then kind of seeing it through different eyes, uh, of, yeah, and, like, you don't see her do anything about it then, and it's really a slow process of her kind of coming to terms with, like, I don't want this. I, I want you, and I want what comes with that. I like the fairy tale kind of reveal of the castle that the main guy isn't supposed to go in, and then it has, like, a really sweet 
Did that? Was that not sweet for you? Or no, no, no oh. I just groaned. <laughs> uh, we we ended this. We stopped this movie. We watched it all the way through. We didn't watch it in phases. We sat and we watched it, and it ended. And I said, Emily is so mean, and so <gasps> I was like, she's so mean. <laughs> I didn't even pick this one, technically. This was I a know. strong yeah. recommend. Sorry, you guys, we didn't give you credit. You guys are so mean. <laughs> I don't know. This movie that you're describing sounds like something I could be into. But the movie I watched, it did not feel like that to me. How interesting. I mean, she's wearing an adorable little leopard hat. You didn't think that was cute? No. You didn't like the, the song about knowing where you're going? No, that was on par with um that plum plum. <laughs> I had a pet raccoon. It yeah. donuts with a spoon. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Yeah, that's what it is. Did you know, plum? by the way, I'm playing that song during uh this episode. Did I say plum? I was so close. They <laughs> were. They're both purple. Um, the there's Irish wolfhounds in this movie. Did you not like the Irish wolfhounds? I mean, I saw them. Okay. I like that character, too. The, uh... That broad? That broad. She was great. She's the only great broad. Yeah. Catriona, who apparently Michael Powell... Now, Michael Powell was married to Thelma Shoemaker, who is Martin Scorsese's editor, I think. Um, But apparently he fell in love with Pamela Brown while making this movie, and, like, they just maintained thing forever uh she is like really uh what's the word i'm looking for like really striking and really like, for real like she just steals all the thunder when she's on screen just she's she, i mean she's beautiful but it's a very specific type of like commanding beauty yeah and that character is they you know the character is kind of this woman living her kids are somewhere her husband's somewhere she's living there with her dogs and being awesome that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we get a very young Petula Clark. Yes. Now, and I did I not know like, that really? was Petula Clark. I was just like, oh, my God, I love this kid, and I love those glasses. Because we meet, at one point, she, she visits this family that are, I think, supposed to also sort of be like, oh, this is what she has to look forward to. Mm-hmm. These are the high-bred rich people of the island, and they're awful in this kind of fantastic way, I thought. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're so snobby, and they're really funny about it. And the girl is so precocious, and she's hilarious. You didn't think she was funny? She was all right. Okay. And she grew up to sing downtown. Well, I mean, I'm glad it all worked out for her. It's true. Yeah, she got off that island. It wasn't easy to do. Had to wait for the weather to fit just right. I mean, and, and like, it, yeah, and it seems like a really interesting um, premise, like, setup mm-hmm. to keep them trapped there. Yeah, it's the, what, what is, I feel like there's got to be, like, a word for the, those kinds of movies of, like, the constantly trying to get to a place that you never get to. Yeah. Like, there, there's, there's a, a word for that, for that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh... Apparently, most of this, the filming of this was really interesting. They, uh, Michael Powell really wanted uh, James Mason for the mm-hmm. uh, love interest for the main role. 
uh, James Mason, when he realized that he'd have to be like filming on an island and on a boat, he was like, no, 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 I don't do that. And then the actor that they got, Roger Livesley, was like all set to do it. He like lost all this weight for the part because apparently he was he was much a bigger man and he needed to be like a leading man actor for this. And then it turns out he was doing a play and the theater wouldn't release him from his contract to go abroad and film. So what they did was they filmed all of his scenes are filmed in a studio mm-hmm. and they use a double for a whole bunch of the scenes wherever it's like actually on the island and all of like the boat scenes and anytime they're in the scene together, it's actually, they're just in a studio. And I don't think you notice that at all. And like Michael Powell's quoted as saying, like, it was probably the most clever thing I have ever managed to do on a movie. (laughs) Cause it's it's really one of those things, like one of those tricks that you, you don't notice cause you're never looking for it. Um, yeah, I don't know much about Wendy Hiller. Uh, again, again, I think this was supposed to be a project for Deborah Kerr, but she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy Hiller sort of like looks and reminds me of Katherine Hepburn, but less severe. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I don't recognize anything. I don't recognize any of it. Uh, but you, you'd be a better judge than me too. I don't so. know. Miss Morrison's ghosts. Like everything sounds really British that she did. The Kingfisher. The Captain the that's, Canary. That's like, you can't say these titles okay. without kind of saying it with that kind of voice. Um, yeah. So a, a lot of like theater for television. Uh, yeah. But I like her. I mean, she's, you know, has to approach this with a very, from a very specific place. And it's one of those challenging parts of your playing a kind of selfish, superficial woman Mm -hmm. who falls in love and the audience has to, has to kind of ride with you on that. They don't Mm -hmm. have to like you, but they have to fall in love with you falling in love. And uh, I mean, I did, but I guess you didn't. I guess that's a big part of it. I didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we haven't really disagreed on a movie in a while. Yeah, I mean, I don't have enough passion to really be vehement about mm-hmm. this, so I just didn't love it. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's uh, it, it's a movie that I think on some, in some ways isn't, like, I had never heard of it until people started, were kind of talking to us about it. Yeah. And, that, and that's me who knows a little bit about The Archers, uh, but I know this movie is very beloved by a lot of people. Like, Martin, Martin Scorsese, who was a huge Michael Powell fan in general, uh, has kind of said, like, this was a movie that made him, like, fall in love with movies again. Um, there's, like, a couple of, like, different, I think, um, like, screenwriters have kind of cited this as being a perfect screenplay and an example of how to write a screenplay in certain beats and everything. Boy, I'm a weirdo, huh? it's, well, it's, I mean, I, you know, different strokes, different folks and stuff, as they say. They do like, say I can that. see all those things, because I think it is. It's a very simple story. It's a, You can boil it down to one sentence of a woman... Uh, you know, thinks she knows what she wants in life and then fall, fights herself falling in love with something very different. Uh, 
and I just I like that it's this love story that ends up being incredibly romantic. And like mm-hmm. there's hints of romance not with them. Like there's a big party and it's a 60th anniversary party and there's this old couple and there's just something about that that's really moving even though you don't get them giving a speech about being in love or about these 60 years. It's just this old couple that's clearly been married to each other for a long time and uh there's just a lot of humanity in it but at the same time it it's not bonking over the head trying to be cute and cloying for me anyway and i feel like the way it would be done today like if gary marshall directed this my god you know yeah no you're you're right about that it would be intolerable yes yes. it would be an act of intolerable cruelty if you will Although George Clooney would be good in that part, I think. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, yep. fascinating. I like when we don't agree. It hasn't happened. It, it has not, not happened in yeah. a while. That's true. Yeah. For anybody who, who doubts and thinks that, like, we're actually one person and I'm really good at throwing my voice, now you know. Not true. Who thinks that? There are, there have been rumors. I don't want to say who started it, Jason, but still, you know. Oh, no. Anyway, cough, cough. Uh, All right, so do you have any more to say about this movie that you did not love? I don't think I do. Okay. Uh, On that note, quality of film, Christine Makepeace, quality Uh of film. See, I would have given this a very low rating until you said all those things about it. Well, again, this is where quality of film and quality of life differ. But if you did not see those things in the film... I didn't. Then it also was not of that quality for you. I would have given it like a 4.5. Wow. <laughs> and I'm actually going to go... I'm going to give it the same as Rebecca. I'm going to go 7.75 for me. Wow! Yep. I think this is a really good movie. <laughs> so, quality of life... Like a 2. Wow. You just say 2? Two. Two. Wow. Okay. Um, quality of life for me, I'm going to go eight. Really enjoyed it. I'll watch this again. Uh, I don't know. I know there's a Criterion release, but it's like one of those out of print, so it's like 80 bucks. I don't know if it's ever going to get another release. I get the feeling if this were ever put on like real special edition, like you'd get this great commentary track with like Martin Scorsese and all these other people. And I just, I don't know, this was like a sweet movie that made me feel good but didn't make me feel stupid about feeling good oh that's nice and i like that in a movie you know i i do i can see why you would yeah all right that was i know where i'm going and now with that said yeah do you have a netflix pick for the people i actually do it might be an amazon pick is that okay that's okay all right. I can't remember where I watched it. I know it was streaming, though. So it is a movie that I have seen come across a million times and thought, like, ugh, I am not watching this movie. <laughs> um, it looks stupid. The name is stupid. I hate everything about this movie. <laughs> uh, so then, I don't know why. I think because I was like, I don't know, Zach. Just pick something. And, like, to prove a point, he put it on. <laughs> Good for him. And... I am in love with this fucking movie. Oh, man. What is it? It is called The Truth About Emmanuel. Okay. I saw this go by. It's, it's... Or Emmanuel, because it's technically, a, he, she has a boy's name. Is it with an E or with an I? With an E. Okay. 
I, um, I definitely saw this go by in streaming. I think it's on Netflix, but I might be starring wrong. Jessica Biel. Is that her name? Jen, that's, Jennifer. That's her name. Jessica. It's the name of a woman who's an actress. So sure. She's starring her. Okay. And the girl from Maze Runner. <laughs> okay. Not Kristen Stewart, but the girl that looks an awful lot like Kristen Stewart. Yeah, she kind of does look like Kristen yeah, right? Seriously. I never really thought about that. She looks like she looks like her, yeah. And Alfred Molina is in it. Okay. Um, it's so fucking good. What is this movie about? I know nothing about I, it. I don't even want to know if I want to tell you. Ooh. It's like kind of a thriller and kind of a suspense movie and uh, like a little bit mysterious but also like it kind of deals with like i don't want to yeah it does it de- deals with like mental health okay and and it's really conceptual in a lot of ways okay. and oh man it's good who is behind it do you know who directs it i think it's a lady Ooh, okay I've been inadvertently watching a lot of lady, lady movies. Lady movies. It's, I think it's an Italian lady, if memory serves. Okay. So none of her credits really made, made any sense to me. Like, they were, it was nothing I had seen. Or maybe she only had one credit. I don't know. But it was really good. It moved me to tears. Like, this wow. movie did it for me. Um, boy, I liked it a lot. Uh, it was a, a little heavy for me, okay. thematically, it was a little tough. It might be... It, some people might say it's melodramatic. Okay. Um, I thought it was successful across the fucking board. Fascinating. I loved it, and I would have never expected to. Yeah. All right, it, I will watch it. it was, I thought it was going to be, like, some sexy cat I, I think that's what I thought it must be when I saw it roll by because I I didn't see the cast I just saw the title I'm like oh it's got to be like a new Emmanuel movie yeah like I thought it was just a sexy game of cat and mouse yeah. like and even even the, the the synopsis doesn't do it justice either it's just really great I can't recommend it enough okay I will put it on my queue I will watch hey, it what do you got uh you're gonna laugh at my pick uh, my pick is from Netflix, okay. and you know my pick because you talked about it last time. Oh, I my can't pick that. is hashtag horror. Oh my God, I motherfucking love this movie. Isn't it so weird? It is. Now, this is a movie that, like, you see hashtag horror. You see the premise. It's like you know, a bunch of teenage girls have a party and and start playing a social media game where some they all keep dying. And, like, you think you know exactly what kind of movie you're going to get. And it's not. No. I mean, this is essentially, it's a pop art piece. So weird. It's, it's a weird movie. Yeah. The um, director, the writer-director is Tara Sokoff. It's a lady. She's Magic. an actress. She's done, like, she was in a lot of stuff with, like, with Chloe Sevigny. Like, she's, and I, where it was funny, I started, like, looking around for pictures of it, and the first thing that came up was an interview with, like, her for Vogue magazine about the movie. Mm. Because, and, like, the, the headline was, like, fashioned horror, and it was kind of about, like, the different ways her talking about some of the similarities between the fashion industry and horror movies and stuff. And it's really cool. Uh, so, many people, so many people are going to hate this movie. I know, and and part of me says, like, go ahead and hate it. Right. But there's something so truthful about this movie. Oh, God, yes. And but, I don't know if you're the same it's way. Like, it's like, 
I, I don't, maybe I don't like your truth, but I'm acknowledging that, that I'm acknowledging what you're doing. Yes. And part of it is I love, um, stories and movies about <clears throat> girls that age. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, you were 12 once, I was 12 once. Every, f- Amer- I mean, I'm sure it's similar in other countries, but I can tell you every American woman remembers what it was like between the age of like 12 and 15 and not just like oh with boys but you remember what it was like with your friends and man were we complicated messes to each other yeah uh and the movies i've seen deal with that this was one and the other the sisterhood of night was one that i talked about a while back was another one both movies written and directed by women because that is such a dramatic, memorable, ripe time mm-hmm. for us because, like, men out there, here's what happens when you're, like, 12, 13. Your body changes. Your friends' bodies change. All of a sudden, sexual everything changes, and you're supposed to like boys, and you're supposed to look pretty, and you're not supposed to trust your friends start being mean to you, and you start being mean to them, and you don't really know why, but it's, you're supposed to. And this movie gets that yeah and really um handles it in such a believable way where you have it's a bunch of rich popular 12 year olds which again sounds awful and i know so many people are gonna be like i'm not watching this and they're gonna watch it and they're gonna hate it just because they don't want to watch a bunch of 12 year old actresses be catty to each other yeah but it's done so well and the dialogue is it's really hard to write dialogue for 12 year olds but this dialogue is believable and it works and meanwhile the movie is set in this mansion filled with modern art and it's so cool looking uh the costumes are great the look is great uh it's dealing with some really heavy real shit but in this really interesting filter and from this point of view that you've never seen before in a horror movie like this Mm -hmm. and i was shocked at how much i felt this was something special and fresh and again i say this knowing some people are gonna watch it and just hate it sure and i that is your right i will understand if you do but you have to watch it and see some of the things being done here and and have to look back and say like okay that's that's something that's that's a voice and that's uh exploring something in a way i haven't seen mm-hmm. yep. so yeah i was shocked at how much i enjoyed it that's great yeah yeah hey, i'm glad you looked at it that's mm-hmm. that's exciting yep 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 good stuff yay all right so firm recommendation for that and i will i will try to watch uh the truth about emmanuel was that it yeah, it, gonna, yeah, it's. I don't know if you'll like it, but is, is it one of those? You know, the question I'm going to ask: Do I have to watch it in one sitting? Mm, it would probably help with the emotional impact, okay. but no, you don't, because okay. we actually split it up. Okay, it's almost. It almost feels like two different movies because there's a there's a story shift and a tonal shift, hmm. and it keeps you guessing all the time. So I think if you go to the natural stop of it. Be where the story twists, you'll be fine. Like, you won't miss a beat. Okay. I really am fascinated by this movie. All right. I look forward to watching it. Uh, do you have anything gnawing at you of what you'd like to watch next for the show? 
I had a brilliant idea, and I knew it was brilliant, and I didn't write it down, and I have no idea what it was. I, You know what's really funny? I was just about to say, the other day, I was talking about something, and I thought, oh, I'd really like to yep. talk to Emily about that, and I never wrote it down. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so I have no idea. All right, so maybe that will come back to us by the time we talk, we do our next episode. We can hope. We'll, uh, again, we'll post what we're going to cover on the Facebook page so everybody can play along at home. Uh, and then uh, I do firmly recommend everybody download some Married with Clickers and help support a good cause and listen to a good podcast. And you have uh, any more to say about the world at large, my dear? I don't think so. All right, cool. On that note, uh, we're, we know, I know where I'm going, and that is to, to bed. bed. Hey, look at that. <laughs> I'm going there, too. <laughs> awesome. I'll, I'll see you there in wink, wink. dreams. Okay, bye. is making you lonely you can always go downtown when you've got worries all the noise and the hurry seems to help i know downtown just listen to the Your problems surround you, there are movie shows downtown. Maybe you know some little places to go to where they never close downtown.